With the 21st pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select Jalen Rager, wide receiver, TCU. Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into episode number 232 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. I'm your host, Kyle Bennett. We've got a loaded show for you guys tonight. But before we get into the action, got to give a shout out to our amazing local sponsors. That kicks it off with Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland, and of course, our awesome merch provider, Design Tree, and our newest sponsor, I'm rocking the blue lights right now, live on Twitch and Facebook, and that is our friends at Tomahawk Shades, and I'll hook you guys up with that promo code later in the show, but we are joined by a very special guest, the NFL Draft has come and gone, and the Eagles made a selection in the first round from TCU, so I am thrilled to be joined by the one and only Jamie Plunkett. He writes about these TCU Horn Frogs for Frogs O' War, which is SB Nation's TCU blog. Jamie, welcome to the show. And uh, I have to say, my decision to uh, to tab you for tonight heavily weighed because your Twitter handle is one of the most elite Twitter handles I've ever seen. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, man. I, I appreciate that. A lot of thought, a lot of effort. All my creativity went into that Twitter handle, so I do appreciate that shout-out. It's good to be with you tonight. Glad to have you. Uh, And obviously, like we said, Jalen Rager, uh, the first TCU player off the board, heading to Philadelphia. You you get to cover Jalen Rager and and see what he was able to do in his college career. Uh, Just from your, your knowledge and being able to watch him at TCU, what are some things that jump off the board for you for Jalen Rager and why he's such a good fit for this Philadelphia Eagles offense? You know, I think the thing that people are going to notice first about Jalen is his speed. You know, coming out this year, uh, obviously after his junior year, he left early for the draft, knew that he was in a position to go in the first round. Um, and TCU fans have really gotten used to him being able to blow the top off of defenses and catch the deep ball uh, and just use his elite speed to, to you know, make sure that nobody's going to catch up with him. Uh, his combine time was really surprising to people who have followed his career. I think his, his best combine time was like a four, four, seven or something like that. Yeah, and then it came out there. and then it came out that he did that, uh, private pro day workout thing. And the hand time, uh, 40 was around a four, two, eight. I, I'll be completely honest with you based on watching this kid for the last three years. I tend to believe the hand time four, two, eight, a little bit more, than I believe the 447. This kid has absolute elite speed. He's got great hands, and he definitely has the ability to break tackles to get to the end zone. I think the most memorable play for Rager was in 2018 when TC went down to Waco to play Baylor. He catches a little bubble screen, 
on the right sideline, and then every single Baylor defender had an opportunity to tackle him. Uh, and he juked a couple, he a couple. Eyes he makes up for an incredible athletic ability. Yeah, I think the one thing that everybody talked about immediately when he was kind of falling down the board right into the Eagles' laps was the speed, and that is the one thing that the Eagles addressed in this draft was getting faster on the field. And uh, I think the one thing that made the pick a little lackluster to Eagles fans was CeeDee Lamb was falling down the board a lot, and then he ends up going to the Cowboys. And then Jalen Rager falls into the Eagles' laps, and Justin Jefferson's also on the board, which a lot of Eagles fans were also wanting Justin Jefferson. And as soon as Rager gets picked, the first thing that gets talked about is his drops this year, how he had such a drastic drop-off from his sophomore to his junior year. And that gets put on by the people that actually pay attention to college football. Uh, The quarterback play last year was just not ideal for Jalen Rager. Tell me a little bit about this quarterback situation, and is that the true case, in your opinion, why Jalen had such a drop-off from his sophomore to his uh, junior year? You know, I think I think it had less to do with the quarterback than it did with offensive play calling. Uh, if you look at Rager's career from his freshman year to his junior year, he caught passes in-game from eight different quarterbacks. Uh, And so, you know, the inconsistency of quarterback presence probably had a little bit of an impact, but you look at his sophomore year, he was over a thousand yards receiving uh, and he caught passes from four different uh, quarterbacks that year, including uh, a pen transfer and a walk-on. So, um, you know, I think it had less to do with quarterback play and more to do with play calling. There was a lot of frustration from TCU fans in 2019 around Sonny Cumbie's management of the offense. It felt like he wasn't putting Rager in good positions to succeed. And with a true freshman quarterback there who started made his first start of the season in game three, um, you really want to bolster your true freshman quarterback's confidence by putting him in positions to get his best player the ball. Uh, and they just didn't seem to really know how to set Rager up in position to get the ball from Duggan very frequently. And that was frustrating for TCU fans. I think Max Duggan is going to be a great quarterback. Um, he's got all of the gifts and skills needed to, to be successful in the Big 12. Um, but he made some true freshman mistakes, sure. He overthrew Rager quite a bit. Um, Rager did drop a couple passes as well, but it felt more like it was a coaching issue because those two guys are both incredible talents. Now, when it comes to Jalen Rager, and if you had to put kind of a pro comp on him, I know a lot of people were floating around Nelson Aguilar, and that made Eagles fans that much more annoyed with the pick. But if you had to compare Jalen Rager with what he brings to the table with his skills, who would you say he kind of compares to best at the wide receiver position? I would this is going to sound a little crazy. I would, I would compare him to Tyreek Hill. And wow. I know that Tyreek Hill, I know that Tyreek Hill has elite, elite speed. And I don't think Rager quite matches his speed. But when you talk about an undersized receiver who is capable of going up over bigger defenders to catch a pass, who is capable of taking big hits over the middle of the field and does have the, the breakaway speed and the speed to pull away from fast defenders, he does kind of fit that mold. Now, I, is he going to be Tyreek Hill in the NFL? I don't know. I, I would have questions about that because really nobody we've seen in the NFL has been Tyreek Hill before or since Tyreek Hill. Um, but he definitely is in that same mold of a smaller, very fast, yet incredibly strong and agile and athletic receiver. Um, you know, I understand the, he- the hesitation to compare him to Nelson Aguilar uh, for Philly fans just because, you know, as a Cowboys fan, I'm 
up all of those passes for the last several years. Um, but I really don't think Rager fits into that mold very well at all. Now, when it comes to him on the field, do you see him capable of playing, you know, the X, the Z inside and outside, or is he better suited, you know, playing in the slot? Is he better on the outside? What's his strong suit when it comes to just lining up on the field? I think he's capable of being lined up wherever you ask him to. I think his gifts uh, allow him to be versatile in that way. And that was one of the major frustrations that TCU fans had with our offensive coordinator this year was that they weren't doing that. They simply lined him up on the outside, and his route tree was really not not anything to write home about. I mean, he had maybe three or four major routes that he would run all season, and he was predictable. And that was part of the big issue. But he's definitely versatile enough to be moved all over the field. And when you pair him with veterans like Jeffrey and Jackson and a a huge body like Arcega Whiteside, what you're going to do is you're really going to force the secondary to figure out, are they going to body up their big receiver on Arcega Whiteside, or are they going to double someone over the top to make sure that Rager doesn't get behind them? And when you've got that kind of versatility with your offense, Offensive weapons, uh, Rager's going to open up a lot for the, for the rest of the guys on the field as well. Now, I know the the viral video that's kind of been circulating when it comes to Jalen Rager is how eerily similar his punt return was to Deshaun Jackson's with uh, Miracle at the Meadowlands, as Mike Quick mm-hmm. said, number two when it was realistically number three. But uh, do you think Jalen is a guy that you could see the Eagles kind of putting into that special teams unit as well? utilizing his speed on kickoff returns punt returns and if so is that something you think he could really develop as a a key skill in the nfl yeah i definitely think he's first of all versatile enough to be an impact player on special teams he proved that at tcu for three seasons uh, and he's more than willing uh you know for a lot of guys who come in as high four-star recruits out of high school and they're drafted in the first round uh they tend to have you know, and rightfully so, a little bit of an ego to them. Um, and Rager is a very humble guy. He's down to earth, and he's willing to do whatever it takes to help his team win. And he, he said that over and over again uh, in the media room at TCU, and he proved it over and over again on and off the field. Uh, and so I, I fully expect him to come in and just really be open to any kind of way that he can help make uh, make Philadelphia better right out of the gate. And special teams is definitely one of those spaces. Now you're talking about a receiver in Jalen Rager who's you know just a tick under six foot, a tick under 200 pounds. Is he somebody who plays bigger than what he's listed at? Like, does he have that capability to kind of go against that bigger corner and still you know hold his own? Oh yeah, he's strong as hell. Uh, like, frankly, he's he's an incredibly strong receiver, and not just for his size. He's just a, he's a strong guy. TCU does this really cool thing every spring. Um, they call it Night of Champions, and essentially it's a football team weightlifting competition that's open to the public. So they get all of their big boys in there, and they're throwing heavyweights around, uh, and they have different um, groupings and champions in each group. And Rager, uh, his freshman and sophomore year, won the weightlifting group um, uh, without – uh, it wasn't even a struggle for him. And so, and he, he was, he had bigger receivers all around him. The tight ends were grouped in with him as well. Uh, and he's just throwing weight around. So he is definitely not a fragile person. He's proved that over and over again, too. He didn't miss hardly any time uh, at TCU and he took some pretty big hits. And like I said, he never knew who was going to be throwing him a pass. And so that can weigh on you as a receiver, too. Uh, he's, he's a physical specimen. He really is. Uh, you guys are getting an incredible receiver, an incredible human being. Now, when it comes to you know where he fell in the draft, going at number twenty-one, 
did you guys down there expect him to go earlier, later? Do you think he fell right where everyone kind of predicted him to fall in the draft? That it felt right. It felt right where he went at twenty-one. Uh, you know, when you it, it was such a loaded receivers draft this year with guys like Judy and Ruggs and CD Lamb. It felt it felt like it would come down to him being the fourth or fifth wide receiver off the board. Um, and so, yeah, I think I think TCU fans were were pleased, but it was kind of an expected thing. He's been projected to be a first round draft pick for a couple of years now, and so I think if he had slipped any farther, and especially if he had fallen into the second round, uh, TCU fans would have been uh, that that would have been a surprise to people who've been paying attention to him. Now, when it comes to you know Jalen Rager, Justin Jefferson, two you know receivers that Eagles fans were both you know thinking about being there. Uh, when it comes to those skill sets from what you might know of Justin Jefferson compared to Jalen, uh, what are some benefits that Eagles fans are getting by the, the team selecting Jalen over Justin Jefferson? Uh, you know, I think it's really close. I think they're they're relatively comparable receivers. Um, I think Rager is a little faster. Uh, I know Rager is a little faster. I've got some LSU family members who, uh, so I've watched a lot of Justin Jefferson as well. Um, I think that if you plugged Rager into Jefferson's role at LSU, he would have similar similar numbers. I'm not sure that if you plugged Justin Jefferson into Rager's role at TCU, that he would have found the same success that Rager found. I think that's the, that's the best way I can put it. But realistically, I think they're very close. Um, obviously, Jefferson is a little bit bigger, and Rager has the speed edge. Um, I, I don't think Philly could have gone wrong either way, um, but I think they're going to be really excited about Rager once he gets on the field. How much of a benefit do you think, obviously, I, I believe it's going to be positive, with Jalen Rager walking into a wide receiver room that includes Alshon Jeffrey, who's a Super Bowl champion, uh, Deshaun Jackson, who is – you know, one of the most successful speed and deep threat wide receivers the NFL has ever seen. And then also having a guy like Greg Ward in there who I think, you know, could really help these young guys out. He's been through, you know, the rings a number of times and finally got his chance last year. And then also bringing in a guy who's another speed guy, Marquise Goodwin, along with the two other rookie wide receivers coming in. How much of a benefit with all of that collective you know nfl experience and knowledge is that going to benefit jalen oh it's going to be huge you know his dad played in the nfl eagles fans probably remember monty rager pretty well um so he's always kind of had that understanding uh from his dad of just what goes into being successful at, at the highest level um but you're absolutely right with veterans like jeffrey and jackson in the room he's going to be able to soak up so much knowledge and wisdom of the game uh, and he's he's going to be open to that too his number one is going to be on being the best possible version of himself uh, and that includes learning from from the people around him and when you talk about the room itself too it is a pretty pretty loaded room uh talent wise and that's gonna i think push him to really um want to stand out and and go above and beyond to to make sure that he's noticed in a crowded receiving room as well so i think it's a i think it's a brilliant situation for him he really couldn't have ended up in much of a better spot with you know meeting the need that philadelphia had at, in the receiver room and then also coming into such a really good situation uh with the wisdom in that room and then obviously we haven't talked about Wentz yet but having a capable quarterback is going to be really good for him too took the words right out of my mouth i was just going to say how much you know 
of a relief is it going to be for Jalen to have kind of that consistency at the quarterback position, having a guy like Carson Wentz and the arm that Carson has and just the the knowledge that he brings with his, his brain and his smarts to be able to you know catch passes from him, a guy who just a few years ago was a leading candidate to be the MVP of the league until his injury and just everything Carson's been able to go through. Uh, what are you most looking forward to knowing Jalen and the way he kind of ticks playing with Carson Wentz? I think he's going to be really thrilled to, to finally build a repertoire with uh, one quarterback. You know, the, like I mentioned, he's caught passes from so many different people at TCU that I don't know if he ever got into a complete rhythm with any single quarterback. I mean, the, the closest he would have gotten is this year with Duggan because I, I, think, I think he and Duggan started the most games together out of any quarterback that Rager played with at TCU. Uh, and it was like eight. So he, you know, benefiting from just the consistency of working with the same guy day in and day out and getting your timing down and developing that trust that's so important between a receiver and a quarterback, that's going to be huge for him. You know, this is a kid who I would not be shocked if um, he comes in and makes an impact right away uh, and everyone's asking questions like, yeah, he's a first-round draft pick, but where did he really come from? And you realize that, he has something with Philadelphia that he didn't really have at TCU. Now, obviously, with everything going on in the world and the delays of everything, how much do you think Jalen will benefit from just kind of being entrenched in an NFL offense, now getting to know a playbook and not really having to worry about the on-field stuff right now, but kind of just learning the terminology and, and getting accustomed to an NFL offense? Yeah, that's a good question. I think... I think for every draft pick this year, they have a leg up in that regard where they're going to be able, because so much else in society has kind of been stripped away with, with stay-at-home orders and stuff, they're going to have so much extra time to really know that playbook backwards and forwards. So on the one hand, it's going to be an advantage for him. On the other hand, every GM and every head coach is going to have their their rookies come into the room and expect that from them. So I think Jalen's going to meet that expectation. Like I said, his dad uh, was in the NFL and he kind of knows what it takes just from watching his dad uh, to succeed. And so I, I have no doubt that he's going to come in on day one and be ready to go. How much of a success do you think uh, Jalen Rager will be in Philadelphia? Is he a guy that, you know, Eagles fans can kind of rely on that will be here for you know, beyond his rookie contract and, and really kind of entrench himself into, you know, Philadelphia Eagles lore as, you know, a receiver that we look back on when his career comes to an end that, you know, he really made an impact uh, in his in his time in an Eagles uniform. He definitely has that potential. You know, I think he, he wants nothing more uh, than to find success at the highest level, and I think that would include um, – setting your name, putting your name in the record books in, in one way or another. He certainly did that at TCU. He's top uh, top five pretty much every every category. And had he come back for his senior year, he probably would have ended up at number one on all of those lists. Um, you know, he's, he's like I said, he's just ready to work. And he is, um, you know, TCU fans are going to miss him on the field next year for what he brought to the team. They're going to miss him off the field as well because he was just such a good, good, humble young guy um and yeah i think philly fans are really gonna really gonna love him i know i know that philadelphia fans are hesitant to trust receivers um and, and that's you know that's reasonable i think in, in the league these days but i really do think that with rager they're getting a good guy who's who's gonna do right now i think one thing that a lot of just philadelphians kind of latch on to is guys that are 
active in the community, really give back to the city and everything off the field? What kind of guy is Jalen Rager? And, um, you know, just fan to, to player wise, one, he doesn't have the pads on. What can Eagles fans kind of expect from him when it comes to, you know, everything after a game? He's, he's a pretty humble guy. He's a pretty quiet guy off the field. So I don't know that there has to be any kind of worry about him getting into off the field trouble. That's just not his MO. Um, you know, at TCU, he was really known off the field for just taking care of his business in the classroom, making sure that the guys around him were taken care of too. And then just, you know, focusing on football because he knew that that was going to be his career moving forward. And so he's really kind of keep your head down, humble, quiet guy. I, I, I mean, I don't know that he'll, make big waves in the media. He, he loves giving back to the community. He always participated in the optional TCU community days that the football team provided. Um, you know, he's, he's a really down to earth, good, humble kid. He's going to work hard. I think you've sold me, Jamie. I'm, I'm all aboard the Jalen Rager train. I think, uh, good. You I, should be. I, I, I think I'm fully, I think, you know, the Tyreek Hill comp, uh, really like perked my ears up and, and I was really excited about that. And, I think, you know, with a, a consistent quarterback play from Carson Wentz and kind of building that camaraderie there, I think Jalen Rager is poised to be uh, an absolute offensive threat for this Eagles team from everything you were able to, you know, kind of inform me in on him. Absolutely. You know, he's, like I said, he's going to be great. He's going to be great for y'all. You got a really good one. Meanwhile, as, as a Cowboys fan, I'm just going to try and figure out who in their secondary is going to be able to cover him for two games a year for the foreseeable future because that that's not a promising feat it's got to be a double-edged so. sword for you seeing a guy that you've been able to kind of watch and blossom <clears throat> and then he ends up on uh your favorite team's division rival it's it's been tough for a couple of years philadelphia has started to really love their horn frogs you know you've got big v up there you had matt Pryor up there for a little while and and so had darren sprawls darren sprawls you can find it in my heart to, to still love my <laughs> horn frogs but you can you can be assured that I hope Philly still loses at least two games every year. So. <laughs> Jamie, this has been an absolute blast. And anything TCU, I know I'm coming to you. Let everybody know where they can check you out on Twitter, read all your stuff for Frogs of War as well. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Frog Preacher. That's my personal handle. Uh, and then obviously at Frogs O War is our is our site's uh, Twitter handle. And frogsofwar.com is where you can find all TCU stuff. I did want to say, I'll send you this link afterwards too. One of our staff writers, Russell, wrote a really great piece a couple of days ago about how he thinks Jalen Rager will fit with the Philadelphia Eagles too. So I'll read that piece because it's a really good breakdown of Rager's skill set. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. I'll definitely tweet it out from the Underground Sports account as well so everybody can check that out. Jamie, you're the absolute best. And like I told you guys, He's got an elite Twitter handle, at Frog Preacher. <laughs> you can't beat it. Jamie, thanks so much for taking time out tonight, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. I appreciate it, Kyle. Anytime. And that was the one and only Frog Preacher, Jamie Plunkett from Frogs of War. Make sure you check him out on Twitter and check out everything at frogsofwar.com, SB Nation's TCU blog. I'm sold. Jalen Rager, him comparing him. To Tyreek Hill has me absolutely sold. I'm all in. Give me every share possible. You know, I, I liked the pick at first. I, w I was in on the pick at first, but now getting that comparison thrown at me, I'm, I'm sold. Jamie is a guy who has gotten to watch Jalen Rager play up close and personal. To compare him to somebody like Tyreek Hill on the field, I am, I'm 100% in. 
And to have that consistency and camaraderie with Carson Wentz for the foreseeable future, because I'm going to save my Jalen Hurts rant for later on in the week on this show. But uh, I I think this really was the better pick, taking Rager over Justin Jefferson. And Eagles fans should be excited. I'm very excited right now. Like, I wish there was a football game tomorrow if, if all things could happen. Because I want to see Jalen Rager on a field catching passes from Carson Wentz. You know, everybody wanted to compare him to Nelson Aguilar, to Deshaun Jackson. I don't really see... I mean, I see the Deshaun Jackson comp when it comes to speed and when it comes to, you know, potential special teams playmaking ability. But I think Jalen Rager's a different type of receiver. He's smaller. He's five foot eleven, but he plays bigger, like Jamie said. And I'm excited to watch him kind of develop a chemistry with one quarterback and see what happens. And that's all you can do with draft picks is just wait and see. Nothing is a given when it comes to a draft pick. Anybody can be a bust. Anybody can be a diamond in the rough. Let's just see what happens. But I'm very excited now about Jalen Rager. I can't wait to see his number that he picks because jersey numbers are imperative when it comes to assessing how a player will perform. That's why we saw J.J. Ortega-Whiteside not do so well last year. Number 19, not the best wide receiver number. Not the best. But Jalen Rager being... A Philadelphia Eagle has me super pumped. I want to know what you guys have to say in our Apple Podcast reviews. Drop those five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. We are six five-star ratings and reviews away from 250. Let's make that happen by the end of the week. But let me talk to you guys real quick before we move on to our next topic about our friends at Tomahawk Shades. I'm rocking the blue light glasses right now. Unfortunately, we had to cancel the NFL draft stream because of technical difficulties, but I was going to debut these bad boys on that stream, but I'm wearing them tonight and they are absolutely incredible. You know, my biggest question was going to be wearing these blue light glasses. Is it going to help? And I can tell you guys from day one, it has been unreal. My eyes feel better. Uh, We talked about this on OTB. Dom has a pair as well. He said he's been sleeping better because he hasn't been having his eyes get affected by the blue light from streaming, from looking at his laptop all day, from watching TV, all that good stuff, being on your phone. These bad boys, for a a very minimal investment, affordable price for a quality product, are going to help protect your eyes while you're working from home, while you're staring at a computer, looking at your phone all day, watching, you know, Netflix, Hulu, whatever it may be, hashtag not sponsors. Tomahawk Shades is doing it right with these blue light plus glasses. They've got the regular sunglasses as well. I can't wait to check a check a pair out for myself there. You know, it's almost May, guys. The month of May is almost here. The sun's going to be out longer when you're going on those quarantine walks. You're going to need sunglasses to protect your eyes, and that's where our friends at Tomahawk Shades come in. And they're already affordable, but I'm going to hook you guys up because Tomahawk Shades hooked us up. Use the promo code USP at checkout. That's USP Underground Sports Philadelphia. You're going to save yourself 25% off your order at checkout right off the bat. You can't beat that deal. Twenty. You're taking a quarter of the price of whatever you're purchasing. Gone. Done. See you later. Thanks to Tomahawk Shades. Promo code USP at checkout. Help us pay some bills. Use that promo code because the more it gets used the more great things we can do with Tomahawk Shades. 
and more great things we can do for you guys. So use that promo code USP. Save yourself 25% off on a quality product for an affordable price. That's our friends at Tomahawk Shades. Big news coming out recently, as early as last night, and that is uh, more potential breaking down of baseball coming back sooner rather than later. And it's it's a, a weird situation. I know a lot of people are like, how can you have baseball come back, yada, yada, yada. Well, there is a new plan that baseball is looking to be played this season. And Jeff Passan and USA Today's Bob Nightingale put the articles out. Um, the new kind of discussed plan right now, according to the article in USA Today, Major League Baseball officials have become cautiously optimistic this week that the season will start in late June and no later than July 2nd, playing at least 100 regular season games, according to three executives with knowledge of the talks. They requested uh, to be anonymous because the plan is still under consideration. And not only would baseball be played, but it would be played in their own Major League ballparks, albeit without fans. Major League Baseball is considering a three-division, ten-team plan in which teams play only within their division, a concept gaining support among owners and executives. It would abolish the traditional American and National Leagues and realign the divisions based on geography. The plan is pending approval of medical experts and providing that COVID-19 testing is available to the public. It's... An interesting plan. I don't know how I completely feel about it. Uh, obviously, you guys know me. I am the biggest baseball fan you'll ever meet. I was listening to Talking Baseball, uh, shameless plug there for John Boy, uh, and they were talking about it. There's talks that there could be a potential kind of Olympic style tournament as well that they would try to you know market as the World Series, and I don't see how that happens. But if they can get in you know, 80 to 100 games and kind of figure something out, then you can kind of call it a World Series, I'd say. Otherwise, you'd have to kind of market that as something else to the fans and really let them know that, like, this is just circumstantial and the World Series would be back. But you'd have so much fan backlash if it's anything less to, to ramp up for something being called the World Series and it's not. You know, you're not going to get pitchers warmed up for a 50-game season and kind of just go all out and then potentially ruin some people's careers uh, because they're going to be pitching so much. Do you put a pitching uh, limit on guys, you know, innings limits, stuff like that? It's still very tricky, and I mean, the month of May starts on Friday, so you'd be a month away from this potential plan going through if it does, which would mean baseball would be back which would be very awesome because I, I love baseball more than anybody. Um, but you'd have to, you know, overcome those hurdles. And if that's possible and it's being done in a, a safe way and these teams get to play in their home stadiums, I think that's a big benefit as opposed to the, the Arizona plan where uh, guys were going to be quarantined out in Arizona away from their families for four and a half months. I think playing in their home ballparks is a, a massive bonus and benefit to this new proposed plan that we could see from Major League Baseball 
and uh, hopefully something gets made of it. You know, I would love to see baseball coming back. Um, it, it's it's a very interesting proposition to say the least. But let me know what you guys think about that as well. I'm interested because you know, a hundred games of baseball. It's it's less games that I think a lot of people have voiced their opinions about how long baseball is when it comes to the amount of games and the season being as long as it is. So you'd get a shortened season, and I think from a you know business standpoint of Major League Baseball, you'd get to see how less games from 162 would work in terms of you know competition and viewership and all that kind of stuff and see if it is more beneficial to kind of cut the season down. It will never happen because it's, it's revenue lost, but... Uh, I think it's something to kind of keep an eye on when it comes to baseball altering anything uh, is seeing if a, a shortened schedule benefits player health, benefits uh, you know viewership, benefits bringing in fans because it's not such a long egregious season like 162 games. Um, but I'm very intrigued by this plan i think i'm more intrigued by this than the arizona plan mostly because players would be playing in their home stadiums i think that's a a big thing is being able to play in your home stadium the the one issue i have is abolishing american and national league uh you know traditions there not that i'm like a full-blown baseball purist but it's it's weird how that would kind of go what are you going to call the leagues you know is it just two divisions now? Um, or three divisions, I'm sorry. What are you going to call those? What what goes with that? But it's it's something that's being talked about. And I like how it's, it's being discussed and they're not just kind of sitting on their hands when it comes to, you know, just making sure that things are being done the right way and that there are ideas being floated around. So Major League Baseball talking about, a late June start and no later than July 2nd. So if uh, July 2nd rolls around and there's no baseball yet, does not look good for a baseball season. But uh, I'm very intrigued by what could come of this. Could have baseball this summer to help us kind of get through everything going on right now. Um, and obviously the players would have to agree to this and you'd have situations with contracts and all that kind of stuff. So it's a very interesting proposal uh, to see that in late June and no later than July 2nd, as USA Today reports, um, you know, playing at least 100 regular season games in Major League Baseball. So that is the latest on the Major League Baseball front. We do have an update on Oscar Lindblom, which is fantastic news. He's recovering well from everything going on with his cancer. And uh, it's great to see Oscar Lindblom doing extremely well. You know, it was it was one of those things that kind of, I think, ignited this Flyers team before everything came to a halt, uh, playing for their teammate, knowing that he wasn't out on the ice for them. It gave them some added motivation to go and play for their guy. It wasn't just playing for the cup. It wasn't just playing to win games it was you are we're playing for a a real purpose and that's playing for our guy who's supposed to be out on the ice with us but can't because he's he's fighting a bigger fight so Oscar Lindblom 
doing really well. I'm going to pull the update up here. Um, right here on Twitter because it's it's good news hearing all of this. It, it brings a smile to your face knowing that Oscar Lindblom, he's almost done with his treatments. And, you know, it's, it's putting a bright spot on 2020. Um, he's going to undergo final cancer treatments. He's making progress. This is according to Sam Carcitti of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Um, awesome stuff. He's progressing in his battle against that bone cancer. And uh, Oscar's going through his last treatments. Everything uh, that has been told by the team trainer has been very positive. And uh, Flyers assistant general manager Brett Flair said on Monday he feels great considering the condition he's in. He's such a great kid, and he's determined his focus is to play as soon as possible. Uh, not sure if he's going to be able to play next season, but it is, uh, you know, it's it's a big positive sign for Oscar Lindblom, the Flyers, and and getting their guy back. So big ups to Oscar Lindblom for uh, fighting the good fight and and working his way back from everything that he's had to endure since uh, early on in the season when we all kind of got that weird, shocking news that he was uh, fighting that bone cancer. The other big news in Philly sports right now is uh, some shakeup with the Sixers. Yes, there is actual Sixers news. And it comes in the form of a pretty important person in the front office uh, is now gone. And before I get to talking about that, I'm going to talk to you guys real quick about our awesome merch provider, Design Tree. They are the best in the business, providing you guys with our awesome merch, our storefront. Check it out, dsgntree.com. Search Underground Sports Philadelphia. You've got our guy, Gritty. If you're watching on Facebook, you can see our Gritty banner. We've got the Underground Sports logo shirt, our On the Road to Victory shirt that we are uh, actually going to be sending to a uh, pretty awesome person as well. If you guys saw Mike Scott quote tweeted it, uh, her name is Alex. She just went through her final phase of chemo and got to ring the bell uh, in her Sixer sweatshirt. And uh, we're going to be hooking her up with some merch from Design Tree from our storefront. So also big props to Alex for uh, being a fighter and uh, kicking that chemo right in the ass and, and being, uh, you know, an absolute trooper, uh, with everything that she's been dealing with, but you've got, uh, a, a load of merch, you know, Phillies, Flyers, Sixers, Eagles, all of our merch in our storefront, use the promo code DSGN five at checkout. You're going to save $5 off your first purchase from design tree DSGN five, $5 off your purchase right at checkout. And, uh, Helps us pay some bills. Helps us keep the lights on. Helps us keep doing this show during all of this. So uh, if you have the means to do so, check out our merch and uh, support a local business in Design Tree because they're going through it just like we are. And uh, they help us out in a big way. So check out our merch, dsgntree.com. Search Underground Sports Philadelphia, and you'll find our awesome storefront. But Mark Eversley the assistant general manager of your Philadelphia 76ers is headed to the Chicago Bulls to become their general manager. Why is this important? Well, Mark Eversley 
held a pretty high-ranking position in the Sixers' front office. And the biggest part of this comes from uh, Jerome Weitzman's book, Tanking to the Top, about the Sixers. And this little excerpt comes from friend of the show, at Sixers Adam, on the Twitter machine. Uh, Brett Brown, love Jonathan Isaac. Colangelo liked him too. But he, he was also intrigued by Kansas wing Josh Jackson and Kentucky point guard De'Aaron Fox. He had all three ranked ahead of Jason Tatum, but it was Markel Fultz, whom he and his front office most vocally, Mark Eversley, coveted most. Yes, Mark Eversley was the voice, or one of the voices, that was clamoring for Markel Fultz. Now... You're probably wondering, why is this important that he's gone? Markel Fultz is gone. Well, we all know the Sixers are dealing with shakeup. You know, before the season stopped, there was talk that Brett Brown could be gone. Um, you know, he could be fired. There was talks of, of just a, a bunch of shakeup coming with the Sixers. And, you know, we all know there's a, a power struggle in the front office. You know, who's really in charge? Who's making decisions? And this news kind of puts it in perspective of who now has power and who is important uh, with the Philadelphia 76ers organization and kind of ranking, uh, you know, who has the pull and who has the sway in order to make decisions. Sixers Adam quote tweeted the Woj bomb that happened on Monday and said pretty big news here on the Sixers front Eversley is by most accounts third in line in the Sixers front office which means a lot here where power is very much divided among all high-ranking executives your third in command is now gone he's going to the Chicago Bulls you know how is this going to shake things up in the front office where Joshua Harris is where the rest of this front office kind of sits on Brett Brown. There are a lot of questions to answer when it comes to Mark Eversley leaving. And now that he's gone, you kind of have to sit back and think, how much pull did he have on every draft that he was involved in? How much of his voice really made a difference in terms of who the Sixers were drafting, what they did with their draft picks? How involved was Mark Eversley in the draft process as the assistant general manager of the Philadelphia 76ers. It's such an intriguing situation, and I've talked to Sixers Adam. We're going to try to get him on the show soon uh, in the coming weeks to talk about all of this, but uh, I'm, I'm super, I'm like, I feel like the Charlie Day gif from It's Always Sunny where he's kind of explaining everything on the board. Like, this thing can stretch leaps and bounds now that he is now that Eversley is gone you think about how much sway and power he had in this front office what decisions were made because of his voice being heard and now that he's gone who kind of steps up into that third in command spot who becomes the assistant general manager to Elton Brand or whoever the GM may be, if Elton is still here, if he's fired, whatever it may be. There's a lot to consider when it comes to this move uh, with the Philadelphia 76ers and Mark Eversley leaving for the Chicago Bulls. It's a very interesting situation. I, I want to dive deeper into it. Um, 
but knowing that there's going to be shakeup now. You know, this is just, I think, a small domino, but it's going to potentially cause a chain of events to happen in terms of power structure in the entire Sixers organization. And we could be in for some chaos, or it could just kind of, you know, somebody elevates and that's the end of it. But we all know this Sixers team. They are filled with chaos. They they always have to be in the headlines one way or another. And I think this is a, a pretty big deal with Mark Eversley leaving for the Chicago Bulls. Um, it's it's such a, a, a weird thing. It, and Eversley is a guy that, and, and all of this front office for the Sixers should have been gone when Brian Colangelo was gone. There should be no remnants of Brian Colangelo in this front office after everything that went down with Burnergate. Nobody that was in Brian Colangelo's front office should still have been here. But of course, they were still here after it all happens. And, you know, Markel Fultz is a, a product, in my opinion, of Mark Eversley. Him being vocal about it, him wanting him, where the front office is split on those other players, most notably De'Aaron Fox, Jonathan Isaac in there. I'm not even going to mention Josh Jackson because, thank goodness it wasn't him. But we could see a lot of, of big-time moves happen once this offseason starts for the Sixers. Now that one of the big pieces of this front office is gone, who knows how much sway Mark Eversley had when it came to free agent signings. Was he a guy who was voicing a positive you know, vote for Al Horford? Paying Tobias Harris the amount of money they did. Was he a guy that wanted Jimmy Butler gone? There's so much that could unravel from this move. And it's only going to get stranger and stranger. And the Sixers 30 for 30 documentary is going to literally be like 30 parts. And this is just another wrinkle in everything. I am uh, I'm intrigued. You know, just like I was about Jalen Rager at the top of the show, I am intrigued about what's going on in this Sixers front office uh, and what's going to happen in the coming weeks, months, and everything that's going to go down this offseason. Because if Mark Eversley had that much pull in Markel Fultz being drafted, how much pull did he have in any other decision being made in the front office if it was a split decision? So much goes into it. And uh, you guys can chime in in the conversation in our Apple Podcast reviews. Leave a five-star rating and review on our Apple Podcast reviews. We are, I believe, believe, six reviews or ratings, five stars only because we have standards, we know you do too, away from 250. It's a big milestone. The more five-star ratings and reviews we get on Apple Podcasts, the better it is for people looking for Philadelphia sports content on Apple Podcasts, it's easier for them to find our show. We'll pop up at the top of the list when they're searching Philadelphia sports. So help us out. Help your favorite Philly sports podcast out. Five stars on Apple Podcasts. And if you don't have Apple Podcasts or you don't use it, we are on Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, iHeartRadio, radio.com, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. 
You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at UndergroundPHI. You can follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311. And we got a lot more in store. Jamie Plunkett is not the only writer, insider we're going to be talking to when it comes to this Eagles draft. We are going to be breaking down every single pick for the next couple of Wednesdays and getting kind of a an inside look at who the Eagles drafted in this 2020 NFL draft that I thought was absolutely phenomenal in terms of production outside of the ESPN stats and info guy. Got to do better there, pal. Got to do better. Make sure you check out the newest playlist from our boy Cam Justice, hashtag curated by Cam. Let Cam know what you think of the new playlist. Came out today. Uh, I'm absolutely jamming to it. There's a ton of great songs on there. Cam's doing a fantastic job dropping that new music on your heads every Wednesday. And uh, we'll be back this weekend. Not sure if it'll be live or not, but that's why you should be following us on social media. Be talking more NFL draft, whatever else comes our way. We'll be talking about it. And uh, make sure you are hitting that like button on Facebook. Follow the Facebook page so you know when we go live. And same thing with Twitch. We have 92 followers on Twitch. Get us to 100. Let's get to 100 before the weekend. That would be massive. Twitch.tv slash PHI is the link there. Just hit the heart button. It's free to follow. Let's make that happen. And uh, none of this would be able to happen without our awesome local sponsors, Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, which Bob Novick Auto Mall will be reopening very soon. We will let you guys know all the details about how they're going to be going about business and everything there. Uh, Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland, and of course, our friends at Design Tree and Tomahawk Shades. Design Tree promo code DSGN5 saves you $5 off your order at checkout. And our Tomahawk Shades promo code USP saves you 25% off at checkout on your order. You guys are the absolute best. Like I said, leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Once we get to 300, I'll be reading everything from 200 to 300 on a separate podcast for part two of reading the reviews and absolutely losing my voice. And make sure you check out the podcast that I produce with my man Connor Miles. Just another football podcast. We've had uh, quite a few NFL players talking about how you guys should subscribe and and leave a five-star rating and review on that podcast as well, including Brett Favre, Justin Tuck, Devin White, and Chad Ochocinco Johnson. So check out that podcast. It's a lot of fun. We had Mark Schofield and Adam Kaplan on the show that dropped just a couple days ago. Check it out. There's a lot of Eagles talk on there and a lot of Eagles insight coming your way. Keep an eye on a former Atlanta Falcons running back that could be uh, joining the Eagles along with Corey Clement re-signing today as well as I record this on Wednesday night. Corey Clement is now back with the Philadelphia Eagles and uh, that's big time. So, Like I said, we'll catch you guys this weekend. Stay safe. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to episode number 232 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. I'm your host, Kyle Bennett. We are signing off. Peace.